Welcome to a tale of sorting and Dreamcast, where we talk about our favorite books and how we would bring them to life on the big screen. Hi guys, and welcome back to a tale of sorting and Dreamcast. My name's Lindsay. I'm Bridget. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we here. Yes. We're fucking tired. I know. <laughs> we literally just spent, we just did a touch of Disney, so we just spent like the whole day in California Adventure, and we're pooped don't know how we would do it before like 8 a.m i know right we'd have to do like a until midnight oof yeah i know the park was only open from like 12 to 8 and it still feels like we were there and we like, didn't go on any rides like they're all closed yeah just no clothes it's literally just like you can walk around the whole park and take some really cute photos and then eat that is literally it <laughs> <laughs> our bodies are like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> we literally just walked to one spot ate there walked to another spot ate there it was fun though yeah Okay, so bear with us if we seem a little (laughs) tired, but this week we are doing Addie LaRue, or sorry, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by Mm -hmm. V.E. Schwab, which I'm so excited for. Oh, Victoria. I know. Just once again. Hurting our souls, making us cry. Once again, taking your heart and just slowly squeezing it. God. (laughs) Oh, man. Mm, Opening question. Yes. Uh, Okay, so after quarantine, like what's the one big trip that you would travel to? Rome. Ooh. Rome, Italy. I have so like uh I don't know why it's just always been like on my top destination places. Um right below that is funnily enough New York because I need to go to Central Park and I need to take a picture with the Balto statue. <laughs> it's just something I need to do <laughs> for my younger self. But yeah, what about you? Uh Japan. Oh, that's like, a good one. Always just yes. Right. The aesthetic. I love Japanese culture. I would love to go to the Ghibli Museum. I was going to say, the Studio Ghibli Museum. Oof, be beautiful. I would just love to go there. It's definitely on my list because, I mean, like a dream bucket list thing of mine is visiting all the Disneylands. So Mm -hmm. I've already been to Florida and I've obviously been to this one. Oh, and the the Super Mario World. Oh. I I don't think it's called that. It might just be called Nintendo World. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Japan has like a Disneyland and like Disney sea or whatever oh, it's yeah. like a whole nother park mm-hmm. i had no idea that there were two separate things but mm, it's definitely on my list right we'll get there all right so you guys will probably hear like cats in the background because we're in Lindsay's bedroom yes and her cats are trapped in here with us down there yes well they, no matter what room we end up recording in they like have to be with us mm-hmm. so there's always i'm always editing out some like cat thing that they've dropped or like some jingle or some meow so <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if it, I actually catch any of it on this time. But there's a cat in this book named Book. And his name is Book. <laughs> and it's so cute. I just remember texting you and I was like, one day I will have a cat and he will be named Book. Mm-hmm. It was adorable. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to be doing the timeline because <laughs> I wanted to be super extra and I literally went like a mission. I went through the entire book. I went on Google Sheets and I did like five different columns like one for the part of the book the chapter the date and the location and whose pov it was in and i typed in every single chapter and then google sheets did the hard part for me which was i i really wanted to do it in like actual chronological order like from Addie, like from the beginning to the end of the story like her timeline Mm -hmm. so it (laughs) took me a long ass time but i fucking did it so and i have it here and ended up being like 15 pages long but it's only because i broke down like literally every single chapter but some of them are like some of henry's chapters like two pages Mm because it's just like a little serped from his life so being sad (sighs) bear with me okay (laughs) because it's gonna be a little interesting because technically like the timeline starts and Addie is seven so Mm -hmm. i'm excited 
shall we begin? She's not even the first person we cast, right? No, she's not, because I don't want to cast her until she's at the age where she kind of gets stuck at, and that's 23. Mm-hmm. So it's like we cast her, and she's seven. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I was like, so we meet Addie when she's seven, let's cast her. And we cast her as like this like 20 to 30-something-year-old woman. So I was like, we'll just wait to cast her until like she like the actual deal is made and she gets to that age. So okay. remember to breathe, Lindsay. I know. I speak super fast. Like when she's excited, she just kind of goes off. And, and I, I've been super excited to do this because after I finally like got this all down, I was like, oh, I'm so excited for this episode. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we begin in the summer of 1698 and we are in Vion. Vion, I don't know. I'm sorry. My French is shitty. Mm-hmm. My French accent is terrible. But Addie is seven and she's leaving home for the first time and she's going to Le Mans for the market and she's on her way with her father and her father's telling her stories on the way there. And it's just kind of like the first time like she's really like telling us about her past and just like how cute and like little it was and how her father was like this grand storyteller and all that fun jazz. And how much, like, she loved going from the market and, like, how that day or, like, that summer was significant for her, like, this trip. Because it was, like, the first time she's ever left home and, like, Mm -hmm. the first time she's ever spent the night in some, like, another bed from home. So it's just, that's why it's, like, significant for her. But um, after that, (laughs) we go to fall of 1703. We're still in Vion, France. Addie is now 12. And in the book, this is the part where her mom's like, you cannot go. Like, it's not a good place for a lady because at the age of 12, you're all of a sudden a woman (laughs) and you can't go. And you can't go do, like, childish things. And she must learn how to be a woman. She must learn how to be a wife. And Addie, like, absolutely hates it and absolutely Mm -hmm. has a fit. And she actually runs to Estelle's house. And it's kind of the first time she talks about Estelle in the book. And we're introduced to this, like, gnarled old woman who's, like, super into, like, the old gods and she was also the one that gave Adeline the name Addie mm-hmm. and just, you know, a whole bunch of good old lady, borderline witch goodness. <laughs> There's always some like old lady just like right. off in the corner. That's Who the lives in a cabin mom. in the woods mm-hmm. and like grows her own herbs and stuff. Everyone thinks she's a witch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Teaches Addie how to pray to the old gods and like how they're, you need to humble yourself in front of them and how you make offerings and that's how you talk to them. Mm-hmm. And also is when like the famous line of never pray to the dark to the gods that answer at night mm-hmm. is like said so um but yeah should we cast estelle yeah <laughs> i'm so excited i casted nichelle nichols Ooh. she was in she's the og uh ahura from star trek yeah, yeah. she's perfect yes oh i love her and I looked her up to make sure she was still alive because oh a lot God. of the times I cast like elderly women and it's like, oh, they passed away right. a few years ago. I'm like, dang it. No. But no, she's still kicking. Very lively. All right. So I just kind of like piggybacked from our last V.E. Schwab movie. 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 <laughs> our last V.E. Schwab episode where I talked about um, Naomi Harris because I just think like oh. with some like heavy duty makeup, she can obviously like do the whole accent like we talked about and I think she'd be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Now we're in the spring of 1707 and Addie is 16. (laughs) Uh, So at this point, men are starting to look at her and she is she just keeps giving gifts to the old gods to keep them away. And it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. because when George, uh, a guy in the village named George, starts looking to her, she prays and she prays to the old gods to like keep him away. And then he marries her best friend, Isabel, Mm -hmm. and they end up like marrying and having a bunch of kids. And she's like, cool. And then another guy looks at her and she prays to the old gods. Uh, for him to find another girl and he ends up dying and Addie is like I kind of feel bad but I honestly don't because I didn't want to marry him <laughs> it's like Adeline 
So at this point, she thinks that at least one god must be listening because she's still free and she's mm-hmm. not like tied down to a marriage or not. And she's still free to draw her stranger. And this is kind of the first time that she like talks about like this beautiful black haired, pale eyes, strong jaw, <laughs> sloping shoulders. Like these are all in the book. And I was laughing my ass off. Cupid's bow mouth and just all her daydreams about him. And now he tells her his adventures. Six, six pack abs. Right. <laughs> beautiful Arms <accent>. for days. <laughs> Yes, and he tells her stories about Paris and all, like, the traveling. And basically, it's just, like, her daydreams happen through him. So that's when he's first introduced. Addie is 16 and thirsty. (laughs) I've been there. We all have. We all have. Let's be honest. All right. So now, July 29th, 1714. Addie is 23, and we are still in Vion. So this is like the night of the, or around the night of the deal so mm-hmm. uh because it's july 29th which we all know is like the famous um the their anniversary, anniversary <laughs> if you will so Addie is promised to roger uh, after his wife died in childbirth to their fourth child so he has three children and no wife now and the mom is basically like it is your duty the dad says it's a mercy like for you to be this man's wife was and she he is a bit just like, like new was he a bit older than her too yeah he's a bit older and she mm. says like there's nothing wrong with him but there's also nothing right mm-hmm. like she's just like there's absolutely nothing wrong with him like he's a nice guy and everything she's like but he, i just i don't want to be married i don't want to sign my life away exactly. like i'll just become the mom exactly so she goes like on a two-day streak of like praying to the old gods and it's just like please but like no one is answering and like the day of the wedding comes and she's in full-blown panic she tells her mom like oh i made a gift for my husband and it's in the house i have to go get it (laughs) and she's like yeah sure okay and then she just like takes off for the woods and that's kind of like when the story actually starts happening Mm -hmm. so would you like to cast addy now (laughs) (laughs) now that she's 23 so I have like two options, but I decided on Lily Collins. Ooh. Lily Collins. Mm. I almost cast her as somebody else. Oh really? <laughs> yes. It was Aww. her or you can never go wrong with Miss Saoirse Ronan. Oh, of course. She could play anything and Honestly. she has that like timeless vibe to her. Mm-hmm. She's done period pieces before. Uh, I think of her in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. I mean, so she's in either, Brooklyn, she's done Little Women. She's either done... of them, they fit like the age. Yeah, so she's in her twenties. I think Lily's actually thirty-one or thirty-two, but oh, she looks nice. pretty young, honestly. So yeah, either of them, but I'm leaning more towards Lily. So okay, who'd you cast for Addie? I chose Sophia Butella. She is oh. from Kingsman. She's the girl that has like the metal legs. <gasps> Here she is. Oh my gosh. Yes, I don't know why. Is she French? I know. Oh, I actually looked it up because for some reason, like while reading or listening to this book, like I automatically thought of her. Like halfway through the book, I was like, ah. She's my Addie. Like, mm-hmm. I totally forgot her name, but her head just popped in my head. And I was like, ooh, yes, like, it's her for sure. And uh-huh. I was like, wait, like, is she French? I don't know why I thought she was. She is not. <laughs> She's actually Arminian, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's who I chose. She's in Kingsman, Star Trek, Atomic Blonde, and The Newest Mummy. Mm-hmm. The, like, the weird one the that we don't talk about. Yes. The day of the wedding happens. She runs into the woods. She begins to pray. She's praying so hard and so much that she doesn't even realize that the sun's going down and the darkness comes. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> here comes all the darkness himself. Did you say all of a sudden? Yes. 
<laughs> Here comes the darkness himself, and he's just like, hey, like, what's up? Like, what can I help you with? She's just kind of like, oh, shit, it's a god. And I don't think at this point she even still notices like, the sun's out. Or she does, and she's kind of like, well, he's the only option I got, mm-hmm. so I got to do it. And he's like, well, tell me, like, what you want. Like, what do you desire? And she sits there, and she's like, I don't want to be married. I don't want to be timed down. I don't want to, like, belong to anybody. And he's like... Honey, I didn't ask you what you didn't want. I asked you what you did want. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like go back and forth until they find out that like basically they narrow it down to it. Addie just wants to be free. Addie wants to live and not belong to anybody but herself. She wants more time. Yes, and she yeah. wants more time and she doesn't Ooh. word it right. And he's like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't really deal like this. And she's like, well, you want souls? Like, fine. Then you can have my soul when I'm done. Like, when I don't want it anymore, it's yours. And he's like, ah, all right, deal. And then, you know chaos ensues Mm -hmm. (laughs) so once the deal is made and she wakes up because she kind of gets like knocked out from it but she wakes up and she notices that it's quiet like it's a little too quiet and she's like wait i just ran away from a wedding like they all should be looking for me Mm -hmm. so she runs back to her house busts in and is like mom like why aren't you looking for me and her mom's like who the hell are you and it just breaks my heart this moment (laughs) she's like wait a minute what are you talking about because of course like the darkness because he's not named at this point the Mm -hmm. darkness like never told her like what the guidelines were of her like curse or anything or deal quote unquote to mm-hmm. him so she's she basically just wa- roams around her town and is just being hurt left and right because no one remembers her she even runs to estelle mm-hmm. and she kind of almost gets estelle to actually like listen to her because she's like you told me not to pray to the dark like the gods that answer at night and i did it anyways and you can see like estelle's like oh you stupid foolish girl oh, yeah but still doesn't remember her but she's like oh that is something that i would say yeah. because she's like you're either like a ghost or like a clever spirit and she's like i'm neither like i'm maddie <laughs> and doesn't understand her and poor thing and that's kind of when she figures out because estelle closes the door and then all of a sudden two seconds later comes back and it all starts over again mm-hmm. so it's kind of when addie starts figuring out like no one remembers me and if they leave and they come back then mm-hmm. it's just a cycle so, so everyone has short-term memory when it comes yeah. to her so when she's out she's of sight forgotten pretty much oh. right and it's just like oh, meh <laughs> poor thing All right, so July 30th, 1714, so it's just the next day. Her BFF Isabel finds her, wakes her up, and is just like, hey, like, what's wrong? Like, come to my house. Because she doesn't remember her. Mm -hmm. She's just like, you poor thing. Because she's still in a wedding dress, and it's just tattered. So she's like, here, come to my house. Like, I'll clean you up. And they're talking, and she's like, oh, this is nice. And then, like, Isabel even hands her her baby. And she's like, here, you want to hold him? And Addie's like, oh, God, no. And then her husband comes home and Addie's like, oh, shit, because Isabel's like, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to my husband. And she's like, no, wait. But she already leaves. And by the time she comes back, like she leaves and Addie's like, I got to put the baby down. Like, I got to get out of here. And they end up coming back into the room very shortly. Addie still has the baby. And they both are like, what are you doing? And she's like, you let me in. And she's like, there's no way I let you into my house. I don't know who you are. (laughs) And she's like, you let me in. And she's like, I didn't mean any harm. And they're like, then get out. So poor thing leaves. But before she leaves, she takes the boots. These boots boots are made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. Poor thing. She steals the husband boots. She goes down to the river, kind of washes the dress and washes herself. And that's literally 
she turns around and Isabel's there with laundry and mm-hmm. like the son finds her and she's like, Matthew, come here. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, there's a lady. She's like, oh, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, God, like, I'm not going through this again. Goodbye. Yeah. And it's kind of when she starts picking up on that. She's got to learn like the right things to say because she's like, are you lost? And she's like, no, I'm just passing through. Like, don't like she's kind of learning that she can sit there and say, like, you know me as much as long as she wants mm-hmm. and it's not going to work. Basically, Isabel's like, oh, stay right here. I'll be right back and I'll get you like some clothes or something. And Addie's like, uh-huh. And then Addie's like, she leaves. And Addie's like, she'll get halfway back to her house and she won't remember me. So mm-hmm. Addie's like, I got to leave. So she packs up. So first, she stops at her father's workshop. And it's kind of these like first storyline things are just basically her like learning little things about her curse. Because mm-hmm. that's when she goes to her father's workshop. She tries to leave him a note and the words just keep disappearing. And she's like, what the fuck? She spills varnish and it gets on her fingers and it gets on the paper and she's like, oh crap. And she's trying to clean it up. And then all of a sudden she notices it starts vanishing from the paper and it only stays on her fingers. So she's kind of like, all right. So like she can't leave any mark on the world mm-hmm. whatsoever. And she's kind of like learning these things and she's, it's a lot. Poor thing. <laughs> it's only so, been yeah. a few days. And then she finds, she accidentally crushes the little wooden burn. Like, she steps backwards and she crushes it with her foot. And as she picks it up, the wing just, like, slowly mends back together. So she's like, all right. Some things, like, I can't break them, so they're going to be fine. And she ends up taking it with her. She can't make anything out of there. Yeah. And then she leaves. So, July 31st, 1714. (laughs) She makes it to Le Mans. And uh, it's her first time being back in 10 years. And the word palimpsest comes the fir- like comes into play the first time and it basically just means the idea of the past blotted out written over by the present and it's kind of like a running theme throughout this book because mm-hmm. it's basically just something from the past rewritten because time's changing and she talks about it a lot she brings it back up uh lemon is very different from how she remembers because before when she was little this was like her runaway place this was like her getaway it was like so sparkly and new and mm-hmm. now it's like a run downtown and no one wants to talk to her and it's dirty and she's like what like basically figuring out that she saw the world with like rose tinted glasses this is also when she notices that like the stables keep getting filled with like rich people's horses so she's like aha and decides that she's gonna go try to steal from them gets caught by the stable guy and before she can get away he rings a bell so his buddy comes in and they catch her and she's like i gotta get out of this stabs a guy in the leg <laughs> runs away and while she's, like, disappearing from them and their memory, she turns around and the wound in the guy's leg, like, completely disappears. There's no blood on his clothes. The clothes get mended, but there's blood still on her hands. So once again, it's just, like, a moment of her trying to, like, fig- like slowly learning, like, the ins and outs of this curse. And she's just like, hmm, interesting. I wonder if she could kill someone, but not really. Like, if she go on slice someone's throat, would she just, like, watch them die and then, like, come back to life? I think, you think, like, while they were bleeding out, it would just, like, slowly mend itself and, like, uh, heal back because she can't leave any mark. Like, she can't change anything. Victoria, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now... August 9th, 1714. So she has walked her poor self all the way to Paris. And basically... It's like a cool little moment that I thought because she's walking in these boots that are too big for her. So she's like, I know when I take these boots off, (laughs) my feet are going to be bloody and they're going to be blistered. And she takes them off and her feet are completely fine. But the pain is still Mm -hmm. there. So she nothing can technically kill her, but she can still feel all the pain and agony from it, which I was like, what a dick move. (laughs) Like thinking, thinking back to the darkness. I'm like, how did he like make all these little notches like so perfectly? Like she can't die, but she can feel pain. And it's like... 
<laughs> I wonder if he just kind of has all these on uh, like a log in his brain. Like, I'm going to use this on somebody someday. Right? And this on somebody. Like, he's gone through so many deals that he's just like bookmarked all of his favorite plots from everybody. Yeah. And he's just like, ooh, I'm going to take this and I'm going to mm-hmm. take that. <laughs> like sugar spice and everything nice. And then boom, Addie's curse. So she finally finds an inn that will accept her because she's still in rags. So she's like, no one really wants like her company or anything. She finds this woman. She has stolen because she stole a jacket that had the knife in it and had some coin in it. And she's like, oh, I can pay you. And she's like, can I have a receipt? And the woman's like, I have run this business for 30 something years. I don't ever forget a face. And Addie's like... The universe is laughing at me. Please, please give me a receipt. (laughs) She's like, please, just something in writing that like proves that I've paid. And she's like, no, you don't get it. And Addie's sitting there and she's like, well, the universe must be laughing at me because anybody else would have just given her a damn receipt so she could prove when this lady comes back um, that she's paid for the room. So she doesn't even make it halfway through the night. The woman comes in. Who are you? And she's like, you let me in. I paid. And she's like, no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. They kick her out. Poor thing is left alone again. I just felt so bad for her. Honestly, that point. it's basically just like a bunch of doors like getting slammed in her face because then she also gets caught trying to steal bread and the last of her money is taken. And that's when the guy's like, you can go to the docks and sell like you can make money there. And she's like, I have nothing to sell. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you have a body, don't you? And it's <laughs> all this for a loaf of bread. Yeah. Oh, OK, Aladdin. <laughs> but yes, so she sadly does go to the docks. It's like really sad how she even like wrote it because she's like, Addie doesn't actually choose to go to the docks. Her body just leads her there. Mm-hmm. And she finds a guy and asks for 10 souls. And he's like, what are you, a princess? And she's like, no, a virgin. So, of course, he pays it. Uh, she takes her money and then she goes and barfs in the sin. She's so sickly and she, like, passes out on the floor and they throw oh, her in the cart of dead bodies. <gasps> and she, like, wakes up and she's like, what's wrong? Like, what is on me? Like, why can't I breathe? And then she notices like, because, like, a dead guy's like, staring at her. Mm-hmm. And she, like, climbs out of the cart and makes a woman scream. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not dead. And, of course, the guys don't remember throwing her in there. So they're like... Why did you like willingly jump into a cart of dead people and <laughs> have this weird moment? But when she climbs out of the cart, she notices that not only is the money gone from her pocket, but so is the little bird. Mm. And she loses it and it is never to be seen again. All right. So July 29th, 1715. This is Addie's. Addie's now 24 and it is the first anniversary. So we're still in Paris. Physically 23. but Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote uh-huh. down her ages every time the year changes just mm-hmm. so I could, like, I thought it was a cool thing. I had way too much fun with this. <laughs> but, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Addie is 24. Uh, it's their first anniversary, and she is with a man in a hotel room. So basically, she's figured out, which is, like, so sad, but also so freaking clever. So she does, like, try to, like, sell her body to men, but leads them, like, oh, let's go get a hotel room. And then she drugs them. So they <laughs> knock out just so she can sleep in the bed. Which is, like, super clever, but mm-hmm. also super sad. But yeah, she finally, <laughs> the man finally knocks out. She's like, ah, yes, alone time. I get to sleep in a bed. And she, like, leaves him on the floor. At last. <laughs> right? He's unconscious. <laughs> and then the darkness comes in. And they bicker about how she's, how she, he screwed her over and how this is basically, like, a curse. And you didn't tell me anything. He's like, well, you didn't really ask for anything. You just kept yelling at me what you didn't want. So I figured it out. I've given you all you wanted. And they bicker like they usually do. So he explains that she messed up with the wording and he has done all of this in the hopes that she will surrender sooner. So he's made her life this living hell Mm -hmm. because he's like, I just want you to surrender so I can have your soul. I just want to reap your soul. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that she declines him. First of many. First of very, very many. So the next one is July 29th, 1716. Still in France. Addie is now 25. She steps into a tailor shop minutes before it's closing, claiming that she's a handmaid for a distinguished family. 
The man is excited and goes to the back to get the dresses. And this is when she hides in the dresses <laughs> and kind of has, like, wait till he forgets her. And I love this because she's just, like, figured everything out. Like, mm-hmm. she knows this guy's routine. She's like, he'll go upstairs. He'll, like, have dinner. She has nothing else to do besides, like, watch people. people exactly. Watch. Exactly. So she's like, he'll go have dinner. Like, the his stepping will be quiet. And then he'll go in for an mm-hmm. early bed because he's got to wake up early to run the shop. So she hides in and then she kind of like sifts through all the clothes. She tries on men's clothing, <laughs> men's clothing for the first time. And she's like, man, must be easy to be a man. Like, I love pants. <laughs> right. But she does kind of like mention that her features are too girly and that she would never be able to pass for a man fully. Mm-hmm. Foreshadow. So she settles on a dress and leaves. As she's walking out, she bumps into the darkness again. He walks with her for a bit. They banter some more. Oh, yeah. She asked him, like, you can change into whatever shape you want, right? And he's like, yeah. She's like, so change because I can't stand you looking at the, like looking like this. And it just makes him like, haha, I'm never changing. Oh, yeah, because he looks just like her. Yeah, he takes the yeah. form of her stranger. He like takes the form. So he mm-hmm. first appears with her with like... Because he knows everything. He's like, oh, I'm going to appear as alluring yeah, to you as exactly. I can. So I look like the person you've been fantasizing about since you were 16 years old. Yeah. She's just like, I'm in a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, well, I chose this form to make it like easier for you to mm-hmm. talk to me because this was like, it was probably like a form that like if he looked into her mind was like right there because mm-hmm. it's like her, been her stranger friend this entire time. He smiles and she knows she will never change again. He asks her one more time if she'll surrender and once again she declines. She tells him how it's only been two years and how she's seen so much already. This is when she's like, I saw an elephant. And she's like, and oh. I've done this and I've done that. And it's only been two years. Like, imagine what I can do with a hundred more. She's like shoving it in his face. Yeah. That's exactly what I want. Exactly. I mean, she's like, I've done so much. The circumstances suck. Right. But I'm going to. She's like, why would I stop now? So July 29th, 1719. Addie is now 28. We're still in Paris. So she has discovered chocolate. That is literally the <laughs> opening line to this chapter. And I thought it was so cute. <laughs> Addie has discovered chocolate and she's hanging out in that house where once again she's figured out the schedule of the couple that lives there and they're out having like a fun cards night because that used to be like the thing that they would go mm-hmm. like to each other's houses and drink and play cards the whole night. They didn't have Nintendo Switches back then. They couldn't go to each other's <laughs> islands. Oh, they, they didn't have, have Animal Crossing? How do they live? <laughs> um, but Rounds yes. of cards. <laughs> Uh, but this is not her first time and she tries on her dresses she tries on her makeup and kind of just like imagines herself living like in this life of luxury and um the darkness pops in again and he's like let's go have dinner because it's our anniversary mm-hmm. and she's like oh god and this is where she names him luke because he's like this form like it had a name didn't it and at first she's like no and he's like i know it did like just spit it out and she's like and she also mentioned that it's kind of ironic because luke she had it for, like, a different name, but it's also short for, like, Lucifer. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh, how fitting. So this is when he first gets named Luke. Mm-hmm. So would you like to cast him? Oh, could I save his casting oh. for when I cast Henry? Oh. Just, there's a reason. Okay. Well, then just let me know, like, when that, well, when we get to, so, mm-hmm. like, when we cast Henry, you want to do both? Sure. Okay. Or we if can you want to cast yours. Well, I don't want to say mine and then you not say yours. No, it's okay. Like, it'll make sense when I explain mine. Oh, okay. So So. let's, I want to see yours. (sighs) I'm super excited for mine. (laughs) So I chose Daniel Sherman. Oh my God. I think for some reason, he's always been like my pick for this. Like I knew from the very beginning I was going to pick him, which for those of you who don't know who he is, he was in Teen Wolf and then he was in two Netflix shows, one called Medici, but he doesn't come in until the second season. Mm-hmm. And then another one called Cursed. He was the um, the black monk, as they called him. But you can't really tell who he is because he's got a hood on and eye makeup. But yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people would know him probably from Teen Wolf. Yeah. He comes in. Yes. Isaac Hale. Yes. <laughs> this is his character's name. But yes. He'd be great. That's who I chose. I just like, 
Oh, he's also in the originals. He comes into the originals, too, if you ever watch, like, the Vampire Diaries spinoff. He's in that, too. And he's just always been, like, a sassy boy. So I'm just like, ah, he'd be perfect. He does have, like, dark vibes in the, um... uh, Cursed? Yeah, Cursed. Yeah. That's because it's a Merlin retelling. I was going to say Merlin, but... (laughs) I almost casted him as Kel. Oh. Almost. But then I thought he was, like, too suave and too, like, coordinated. Either suave (laughs) adaptation would be lovely. Right. But, yeah. Daniel Sherman is my Luke. I'm pleased. Me, too. Plus, I think he can do, like, hold a pretty good banter, so. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. So they bicker <laughs> more about the damn curse, because I swear that's the only thing these two do. Is <laughs> bicker. Right. And this is also the night where it becomes a game between the two of them. Her not wanting to back down and being stubborn, and him willing to wait and make her life miserable. Uh, so the next year, uh, July 29th, 1720, Paris, France, still, Adi is 29. And because of last year was like so feisty and it was kind of like a, it's kind of like when things shift a little bit in their relationship, she's like, well, this time I'm going to show him up. And she like, she gathers meat and she um, like even has a special dress that she puts on for him and lights candles in this spot. And he never shows up. And she's just like, what an ass. <laughs> on our anniversary? Yeah, she never shows up. And then she kind of gets mad at herself for being so pouty about mm-hmm. it. Because she literally spends the whole night like, why isn't he here? And she just like drinks like one cup of wine. And she's like, all right, well, it's a little late. Like, maybe he'll show up. Yeah. And then she ends up just saying like, the sun rising. And she's like, that bitch. Because she kind of forms like an attachment to him. Because he's the only one that yeah. remembers her. July 29th, 1724. We're still in Paris. Addie is now 33 and she is dressed in man's clothes and it has been four years without a visit from Luke. Well, in men's clothing, she bumps into a guy that is with a bunch of friends. And at first she thinks she can like pass it off. She's very like, oh, watch where you're going. And (laughs) he like looks like into her eyes and automatically sees straight through her, but is super cute and decides to play along. They go to a cafe and they grab a drink and he asks for her name and she says, Tomas. And it's so cute because he like still plays along. He's like, well, Tomas, like it's it's great to meet you. He's like, my name is Remy and he's 23. So yes, shall we cast Remy? Sure. I casted Dustin Milligan. He's in Schitt's Creek. Ooh. ooh. And I casted he's him because his, if you've seen Schitt's Creek, he's very I have not. pure, pure boy. You trust him with your life. Nice. Pretty much. So that's kind of, he gave me Remy vibes. I chose, his name is Louis Garrel. Oh, he's actually French. So I was super excited, but oh. he's in Little Women. He plays like Joe's like friend, oh like gosh. the one, yeah, the one that like edits her the stories, friend. yeah, <laughs> edits her stories and tells her that she's kind of a, he doesn't like those particular stories and she takes great offense to it. Oh but yeah, he's like an actual French actor and I thought it was super adorable. He's goddamn beautiful, right? Oh yeah, he's gorgeous, which is kind of funny because how I found this is I was looking at French actors and there's a picture of young him that was like luke to the nines like Mm -hmm. black curly hair like super strong jaw i was like who is this but it was like super young him so Uh i was like oh man that's not gonna work but he could play remy and it'd be (laughs) super freaking cute so yes oh he's my remy i liked remy i did too for such a wholesome night i mean not wholesome (laughs) but yes We'll get there. (laughs) He tells her that she can mimic a man very well. And they talk for hours about her and philosophy. Like he thinks she's amazing because she just up and left her home and she came to Paris. And he's like, oh, my God. And then they walk to Notre Dame and they climb to the top where they can where they talk some more. It's super cute. He's like, have you ever been to Notre Dame? And they walk to the very top and it's this beautiful sights and they talk some more. The bells, 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 bells. (laughs) And then finally, it's getting super late, so he insists on walking her home. And Addie's like, I have no home, so let's see how long I can milk this. She chooses some random house and then turns around and goes, 
well, now I have to walk you home because it's not, <laughs> it's very unsafe for you. And he's like, okay. Like, I think he's just so, he's just so captured by her mm-hmm. that he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man. So obviously like they walk to his house and they keep going and they go into the room and they do the deed. <laughs> Wholesome. <laughs> yes. And it is so freaking cute because she thinks about how this should have been her first time. And she thinks just about like how right it is oh, and how yeah. beautiful it is and super cute until mm-hmm. later in the night because i think she she's like super sleepy and he's he has his back turned to her and she like touches his spine so he kind of stirs awake and he turns around and it's just like he does though because he completely forgets who she is and she's like oh shit like i need to go and he's very quiet about it but then randomly just like hands her money and is like here like i'm paying you for the night yeah. and it just like shatters everything and she's like well <laughs> She leaves him in a hurry and swipes his books off the table. And this is kind of when she is determined to teach herself how to read. <laughs> um, yeah. So Luke actually shows up randomly and says, like, tells her, like, oh, I can hear when your heart falters, like when it's hurt and when you're like broken. He's like, I can hear that. So he's like, that's why I showed up, because maybe you're willing to surrender this time. Because he kind of mentions he's like, oh, yeah, like how you waited for me in the room. And she's like, you were there, which this is the moment that I wish I could slap her with later <laughs> in the book. Because he literally explains that, like, he can see everything Mm -hmm. at night. Addy. (laughs) (laughs) He can see everything. And he's like, oh, I'm, like, I'm with you more than you know. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm always lurking in the shadows. Like, I can see everything when it's night outside. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping. Right. Or when you're sleeping with a certain person. (laughs) Anyways, we move forward. (laughs) July 29th, 1751. Addy is now technically 60. (laughs) We're in Paris, France, and Addie sits alone in a park on a bench with a book in her hand, and she's waiting for Madame, I can't pronounce that, something super fancy French, but anyways, <laughs> it's that rich lady that comes in and she like plays it off like she has learned, she has like scripted this moment to a T, and she knows exactly what to say mm. to order to get invited to her house. She says like she's a cousin, like a distant cousin from this rich family, and that she's taught herself how to read, and she does not want to be married, and the woman's like, I like you, mm-hmm. come to my house. So she comes to her house. They give her like a fancy dress to wear. And as she's walking around, because at this point, like that woman completely forgets who she is. So she kind of is just free to walk around. And it's super sad because she bumps into Remy again. Like she notices him from across the room. And now he's 51. And she's like, it kind of hits her because it was like, like, she catches her breath pretty much like when she sees him. And she's just like, oh, crap. Like he's super old now. And she like remembers that night. And it's like so sad. <sighs> it's only the beginning. And then once again, because it's since the July 29th, Luke appears later and decides that it's time to fuck shit up. And he basically turns the whole house against her and gets her kicked out of the house. And she tells him, well, you know, joke's on you because I can just turn around and walk back in there and everything will be fine because they'll forget about me. And this is kind of where he plants a seed and he mentions that ideas are much wilder than memories, meaning that she can go back in there and everyone will look at her differently and kind of will have like an odd feeling about mm-hmm. her because the idea of her being a thief has been planted in their minds. Yeah. So not necessarily that like that they'll remember her, but they'll because, be suspicious of her. Yeah, they'll kind of look at her like, oh, that girl could easily like rob me for mm-hmm. all I have, which is kind of interesting because like, have you ever been in a public place and you just like see someone and you're like, oh, I have an eerie feeling about yeah. them. Got weird just, vibes. Yeah, it's just kind all of like now that when that happens, I'm just going to be like, oh, are they promised? <laughs> are like, you cursed? Right? Are you cursed? Did I not remember you? Have we seen each other before? <laughs> like, oh, shit. Right? It's like, just I don't of... think about this book every goddamn day of my life now. Like, that's right? going to... Thanks, V. Schwab. Thanks. There's a whole bunch of July 29th coming up, so just bear with me. We have July 29th, 1764. We are now in Vaillant. Addie is technically 73, and she has gone back home. Once again, 
it's so heartbreaking because she assumes everyone's gone. Like, mm-hmm. she's not expecting anyone to be there. And she goes to her house and finds out that her mom is still alive. Mm-hmm. And her mom opens the door and she's like, do I know you? And Addie, like, has this small moment where she thinks, like, I could just be like, you do know me. And then play it off as, like, her mom being old that she doesn't remember. And, like, spend some time with her mom. But she doesn't. And she, like, sadly, she says it's something that she thinks about all the time. But she keeps walking. She ends up at the church and finds her father's grave and finds out that he died the year that she left. So Mm -hmm. it kind of, like, hurts again. And she tries to think about, like, any sickness or anything that could happen or, like, anything that could have happened to him. It kind of is when she mentions that it's hard for her to remember everything before the curse. Like, Mm -hmm. everything after the curse she remembers perfectly. It's, like, burned images into her head. But everything before that, like, her childhood and her father's voice and like her father's laugh like she can't remember for the life of her and it like it breaks her heart it feels like another life yeah pretty much Mm -hmm. so she keeps walking and she finds estelle's grave and is mad at herself because she was supposed to bury her under a tree and definitely not at the church (laughs) so well there's a cross on her gravestone too yeah estelle would be furious exactly (laughs) she's like estelle is like having a fit in her grave (laughs) so what does Addie do she fucking brings a whole tree <laughs> and plants it in the cemetery over Estelle's grave. Which I was like, you go, Addie. Like, that's my girl. <laughs> Made me laugh. Um, but she finds Estelle's hut in the forest and Luke shows up and tries to be sassy. Because he's like, you, like, why do you keep coming back here? Like, you keep walking in circles and you could be, like, marking your own path. Like, mm-hmm. you could be doing all this great stuff, but yet all you want to do is come back home. And he's like, oh, you could be Estelle if you, like, tried hard enough. Mm-hmm. And this is when she tries to be like, well, I will never say no to you. Like, I'm going to live my life to the fullest, yada, yada, yada. And he turns around as just, like, little girl and kind of puts her in her place by turning her old and like she Mm. feels the pain of being super old and like her body like she looks down at her hands and they're all gnarled and he basically turns her into like a 73 year old Mm -hmm. and he like just leaves and she kind of like blacks out a little bit from it and when she wakes up she's like afraid to open her eyes because she's afraid that he kind of like left her like that but she opens her eyes and she's perfectly back to normal luke was just wanting to be a little fucking asshole yeah as he does (laughs) as he does July 29th, 1778, in Fécamp, France. Mm. Addie is now technically 87. Uh, She's reading Shakespeare, and Luke shows up, boasting about how he was there when he wrote The Tempest, and a storm is coming, and they they take shelter in the church, and they talk of... She kind of thinks it's funny, because she's like, oh, says the devil in a church, Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, you think I'm a devil now? Because he tries to be like, care to confess your sins, and like, tries to make jokes. And they talk about God, and like, the old God, and the new God, and souls, and he kind of like, holds a little ball of light in his hand, and she's like, oh, is that a soul? He's like, oh, don't be mistaken, like, this is just one form. And she's like, well, show me what one could look like. He's like, all right, give me yours. And she's like, go away. She's like, absolutely not. And she declines him yet again. So July 29th, 1789, we're in Paris. Addie is technically 98, and Paris is burning. She's dressed as a man again. She gets caught in a sticky situation. Mm-hmm. Luke shows up, saves her, takes her away to Italy, and then just fucking leaves her there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he could travel through darkness. Yes, which <laughs> I, for some reason, have this like perfectly in my mind for like whether this movie gets turned into whatever it is. But you know, like, that TikTok trend when people, like, fall back on their bed and then it, like, loops into something new? Like, they're in, like, a new... Oh, yeah. It's from, like, the Ariana yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how I pictured it. I just picture, like, darkness enveloping them, them falling, and then when they mm-hmm. come back up, they're just, like, in wherever he's traveled them to. Yeah. For some reason, in my head, oh, every time... Because cool. she always talked about, like, how the darkness would crack open and it would, like, envelop them and then she mm-hmm. would just, like, end up being wherever they are. So I just picture, like, this whole movement of stuff that would have to happen in order for them to travel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
fun tidbit. That was, that was what was going cool. through my head. <laughs> so now, July 29th. 1806 we're in italy because that's where he left her there Addie is technically 115 <laughs> Addie wakes up in silk sheets with a man named matteo who's an artist and she kind of mentions this is kind of when she noted like notices that she kind of has a thing for artists and she kind of likes it because matteo doesn't wake up and is like oh i don't know who you are like how weird because he's an artist and he's like i had to capture you like i had to draw you this is a regular thing for me, waking up next to someone I don't remember. <laughs> right? Exactly. And it's kind of funny because he does mention, he's like, well, did we have a good time? I don't remember anything. And she's like, I don't remember anything either. Like, tries to play coy. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, then it must have been a very good time. <laughs> when like, in Italy. Right? I was like, ah, Italians. I love them. <laughs> um, but yeah, his drawing. So she kind of she has a moment where she thinks about, like, do I take the drawing or do I leave it with him? And she decides to leave it because this is kind of when she's figuring out how she can leave marks in the world, but in a very addy way. So he leaves the drawing because she knows if he keeps it, it'll live on and it'll make it somewhere. And Luke comes to visit <laughs> and she just kind of keeps that secret to herself because she thinks about like how she could brag and kind of be like, I've found a way, like I found a way to do it. I found a way to live on. And, you know, I have basically just wants to poke at him saying like, mm-hmm. I found out something, but she knows Luke will kind of twist it and probably take it away from her. So she mm-hmm. just kind of keeps it to herself. So randomly, March 26, 1827, we're in London, England. Addie is 136 and she's alone in an art gallery looking at another work of art that she snuck into. Luke comes in and she's put off guard because all of a sudden she's found out that he can show up by choice. And at first she thought they could only see each other on July 29th. So now randomly in March, he just kind of shows up and she's like, oh, God, like he can just show up whenever he wants and see everything. Addie. And Addie pushes his buttons and tries to belittle him. And he takes her to Beethoven, which oh, I loved right. how she said it, like the way that V.E. Schwab like, kind of built up this mm-hmm. scene because she's like, he's yelling in German and he's yelling so loud like he can't hear yeah, anything. Yeah, I was just like, are you? Yeah, <laughs> right. It's kind of joking. like her first like name drop. Well, I mean, I guess technically Shakespeare, mm-hmm. but this is kind of like one of like the big moments. And I was like, wait a minute, German can't hear playing at a piano. I was like, there's no way. And then later on they mentioned, she's like, oh yeah. Like she recalls that one time and it's, she meant like, calls him by name and it's beethoven Mm -hmm. and i was like my god but yeah he makes her watch as she as he like turns into like his true form and like devours beethoven and like takes his soul because their deal is ended Mm -hmm. and he kind of like once again tries to put her in her place because she's like ah shit like he doesn't always look like my stranger like that's not his true form and this guy's actually kind of (laughs) scary kind of scary oh yeah terrifying (laughs) my god (laughs) um i like uh, this is the point when it started to remind me of Doctor Who a little bit, but just like a dark Doctor Who. Yeah. Because there's, por- there's points in the show when he interacts with Shakespeare, just yeah, all right. this famous, you know, Van Gogh pops up. Oh, you up. mean like how Shakespeare wrote that part about Martha? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Martha's like, whoa. Okay, but straight up, he totally had a deal with Van Gogh. Oh. Luke. Because mm-hmm. all of them do, they totally do. Like right. their time is cut short. Yeah. So many times, all these amazing artists, all these amazing right. musicians, you know, the 24 Club and yeah. all of that. Uh, Luke? <laughs> no, I just, I can't. Which is so sad because I know later on she does mention, like, don't you feel sad? Because at this point when he, it's in this part where they go to Beethoven and he looks at him and goes, what a waste. Like, what a waste of talent. And he's like, yeah, but like they make the deals. Like they ask for what they ask for. He's like, I just have to keep going with it. So, but he does kind of like feel bad for like taking away this art because she's she mentions like oh if you like let them just continue living like imagine like all the good that they could have done Mm -hmm. so it's kind of sad breaks my heart (laughs) july 29th (laughs) 
1854 in Vion. Addie is now technically 165 and she goes back home and everything has changed. And it's super freaking cute because at this point, I'm just like, she's so funny because she bumps into a child and the first child she bumps into, she tells him, I am a ghost. And he's like, oh, like he gets so excited <gasps> and he like runs back to home and she's like, all right. And then um, the tree over Estelle has taken full root and or has taken root and has fully grown. So she like kind of laughs at herself and talks about time again. And it's just kind of like a cute little moment. And she once again returns to Estelle's hut. And it's kind of almost completely taken over at the woods at this point. She runs into another little boy and she tells this one that she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Hattie just instilling fear into all the little boys and beyond. I love it. <laughs> all right. It's just so adorable. So Luke shows up again. And they talk about how she keeps coming back here and he asks, like, aren't you tired? Mm. Like, aren't in, um, like, aren't you tired of this? Like, walking in circles and, like, everyone you know is pretty much dead now. And she's like, tired. I'm only waking up. And he's like, even the rocks, he murmurs. And it's oh. like that whole thing about, like, even the rocks, like, fade to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, the rocks on the shore, like, after being hit by the waves and stuff. So, their banter, once again. <laughs> July 29th. <laughs> 1872. On a train to Berlin, Addie is technically 181. She was, she's wandering on the train when she's bumped into and asked for a ticket. And this is kind of like one of my favorite Luke's appearances because it's it's kind of adorable. Just kind of. Kind of funny. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me, Bridget. <laughs> but I just, it was, it's just one of those moments where you're like, of course he shows up and of course this happens. Like, okay. But Luke shows up and he opens the door and the first I'll thing. I'll save it. I'll save it. <laughs> Out of the, the first thing out of his fucking mouth is just like, oh, there you are, my wife. And she's like, oh, god damn it. She like begrudgingly plays into it because she's like, well, do you have this or I get kicked off the train? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So they have a little moment and he's like, oh, sorry, dear. Like, you forgot your ticket and it's adorable. And after all that, he's like, oh, well, it's our anniversary. So I have to take you somewhere nice. And he takes her to the opera. <laughs> takes her to the opera and she asks like, what's your strangest deal you've ever made? And another name dropped, and he says, Joan of Arc. And she's like, oh, yeah. what? <laughs> and then it's kind of like a cute little moment that they have, and it just makes me laugh, because it's like all these people that he's just like, yeah, they just, you know, make deals. And she's like, I, I do not believe that Joan of Arc made a deal with you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you would be surprised. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Right. Uh. <laughs> just imagine, like, knowing all these people, and he's like, yep, and then I killed them. Every famous person you've ever heard of, I... <laughs> killed <laughs> right he's like elvis one of mine i reaped their soul Oof, mm-hmm. ouch all right december 31st 1899 the costwolds of england Addie is technically 208 it is snowing and she's spending new year's by herself in a cabin not estelle's just a random cabin in england mm-hmm. luke shows up and makes fun of her <laughs> and says let's do better because he's like you live such a quiet life like we can do better than this and she's like no i want to stay so thinking that he's gonna leave he sits back down and he sits with her and he mentions that he saw an elephant in Paris, and she's like, and you thought of me? But he never answers, because, you know, God forbid we have feelings. Uh, and they talk the night away, and she wakes up the next day with a blanket on her, and she wonders if he was ever actually there. She kind of wonders, like, did I dream the whole thing? Like, mm-hmm. was he ever actually there? Because once again, it's not a July 29th, and it's kind of like this random date that he showed up. So she's like, eh, maybe I dreamed him up. Maybe I didn't. Oh, this is probably one of the saddest July 29ths for me, but it's in 1914, she goes back home for the last time, and she's in Vion. She is technically 223, and it's raining, and Estelle's tree is completely gone, and it is struck by lightning. And she asks Luke, did you do this? And he's like, no, like, you can't blame me for every loss. And she thinks, like, this has to be him because it is cruel. And he's like, well, nature is crueler. And the closer she looks at it, 
it's been like struck by lightning and the tree is gone but it kind of like breaks her mm-hmm. this kind of like shatters her whole world and so he takes her back to paris and um because he's like okay like you're broken let's go like get you out of here takes her back to paris and she will like never go back to her village again and they celebrate the anniversary again she asked do you miss me he says i am with you more than you think cough cough hint hint adeline and he gives her the ring and she's like, oh, you destroyed it. He's like, no, I took it. I would not destroy something so beautiful. And it's like, okay, Luke, calm your tits. But yeah, he gives her the ring for the first time. And he's like, you can put it on whenever you want to call me. And she's like, all right, I'm never going to use it. Just so you know. <laughs> because everything is a challenge with these two. I can't believe them. It's really just a competition. Honestly. Who can break first? Pretty much. So July 29th, 1928, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Addie is technically 237. Addie's at a bar. It's been 14 years since she's seen Luke because once she gets the ring, Luke kind of stays back and kind of waits for her to call. But she's like, ha ha, I'm never going to use it. So it's all, it's all a game to them to see like who will call first or who will come first. And she's at the bar and she sees him and she walks over and goes, I win. And he simply is like, well, who says I'm here for you? And he's like, by the way, this is my bar that you came to. So technically I won. And it's like the two of you, I could slap. Both of you. But yeah, he tells her... Oh, I'd stop one of them for sure. <laughs> yes, I know. Bridget. <laughs> um, but d- indeed, he is not there for her. And and he tells her that she's no longer human and they fight. <laughs> because oh, she's like... Because yeah. he's like, oh, you waste all your time with these ones. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I am one. And he's like, mm, you haven't been one of those since like we made the deal, mm-hmm. Addie. Like, you're not human anymore. Addie, you are 237 years old. <laughs> like, no, you are not. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. November 23rd, 1944. Occupied France. Addie is technically 253. And she's, I love this, that she has been secretly working in this war Mm -hmm. for three years, being a messenger. Like, I love that she's like, I'm going to be a a part of this one. Right? (laughs) And it's so cute. Because she also mentions to Henry, he's like, man, you would have been an amazing spy. And she's like, who says I haven't (laughs) been one? And it's like, and then you were caught, Adeline. So don't brag. (laughs) But she is captured by German soldiers. And she kind of realizes that she's stuck in this ending loop of torture because... They'll beat her up, they leave, they come back, they forget who she is, but it's mm-hmm. like, hey, look, a prisoner, let's beat her up. Mm-hmm. And it's just this oh, ending yeah, her cycle. her wounds heal up. Yeah. So like, oh. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just like this endless cycle of torture. So she's like, all right, my last resort is to put on this fucking ring and call this asshole. <laughs> and at first he doesn't show up and she's like, well, okay, guess not. But, you know, likes to make her wait, likes to make it simmer for a bit. He likes to make a dramatic entrance. Right. And at this point, she's had the ring for 29 years and has not used it. So she tries to be a smart ass and say no to him because, of course, he makes it a whole like, oh, you called me. Like, you missed me. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to go with you. And he walks away and she's like, oh, wait, like, don't leave me. And then finds out that the bars were open. Like, he just left the bars, like the jail bars open. Oh, yeah. And she kind of like laughs at him. And um, he takes her to Boston. Like, they get her out. Of, he like gets her out of there. He's like, all right, let's get out of this like dumpster and takes her to Boston. And once again, leaves. Mm-hmm. she like doesn't want to be alone looks up tries she says she thinks about thanking him but before she's able to he disappears mm-hmm. so then it's kind of a big time jump but april 7th 1952 mm-hmm. and she's in la <laughs> finally okay she's Close. technically 261 and she's currently dating a sculptor named max which i find it kind of funny because this poor girl literally like spends the whole day with him wakes up and like gets sneaks out in the morning waits in front of his house Mm -hmm. he comes out and goes hey and he literally says the same thing over and they just replay this Mm -hmm. day over and over and over again and it's so sad so they're currently dating quote unquote Mm -hmm. like two months right something like yeah Mm -hmm. something like that uh so she tells him that 
Like, they spend the whole day together, and then at the end of it, she tells him that it's her birthday, and he's like, oh, then we have to go to dinner. And, of course, Luke shows up, <laughs> and Luke's like, leave. And Max is like, excuse me? And he's like, be gone, <laughs> you heathen. And so... <laughs> I just think of Howl's Moving Castle when the, the guards show up. And he's like, oh, it's time for you to leave. I've, I'm here with, I was oh, looking everywhere right. for you. And like, then oh, they're hello, just like, oh, dear. who the heck are you? And he just like flicks his finger and they just turn mm-hmm. around and march away. Pretty That's much. Exactly Pretty much. That. Like he, he puts up kind of a fight and then eventually he just gets up and leaves mm-hmm. because Luke is, Luke uses his like dark magic. But it's kind of funny because he sits down and the first thing he says is, your birthday's in March. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> yeah he's like what the not a hi not a hello just your birthday's in march which makes me laugh and she's like when you get to be my age you celebrate as often as you like and he's like all right then we'll go party and he takes her to the cicada club and they see a singer and she's like who's that and he's like oh his name's sinatra <laughs> which i'm like be schwab just trying to fit in every every icon everything he takes her to it's a party or or actually every time it's just oh i'm here to reap someone's yeah so like oh I'm bragging. You don't know who this person is yet. Imagine. Because, <laughs> I mean, she asked. She's like, well, who is that? And he's like, oh, Sinatra. And then imagine, like, hundreds of years later when you're like, man, that got poor guy is, like, super famous now. You don't know who the, he is. Right. But, yes, they see Sinatra. They dance. They kiss. And they do the deed. Ugh. You have to, like, <laughs> forget it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> We'll because, get there. Because there's a, the moment after that she's like, oh, he's like, oh, I have to go. Like, I have to go do work. Like, the sun's coming out. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, you can't stay. He's like, well, I'm a creature of the night. Like, I can't. Like, I go where it's dark again. Mm-hmm. And she runs up and closes the blinds. And she goes, it's dark. And he's like, all right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. We'll yes, I know. <laughs> all right. So July 29th, 1970, when New Orleans, ugh. Ugh. Beignets. Beignets. <laughs> ben- so Addie is technically 279, and Luke says, I love you. And he gives her a key to a house, and he's like, it's home. And she's like, really? Like, don't toy with me. He's like, no, I'm dead serious. Like, this is a house. It's for you. Mm-hmm. And they go out, and this is when she sees the leather jacket, which is so... F- this moment made me laugh, because she's like looking at the leather jacket and kind of just like like puppy eyes at him, and he's like, it's gonna be summer. And she's like, well, it won't always be. Like... Literally, the darkness itself is like, Addie, be reasonable. And she's like, I want it. <laughs> it's like, this god is like, but it's gonna about to be summer. Why do you want a leather jacket? And she's like, it won't always be. Like, fucking get me the jacket. Made me laugh. Uh, but yes, they go out. And then he tells her to go home because he has work to do. And she's like, all right. Doesn't listen. Follows him. He goes to an old woman to collect her soul because her deal is up. And the woman goes willingly. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, like a deal's deal. And I'm tired. She's a psychic. Yeah, so Will kind of, like, devours her, and it's just, Addie's just like, ooh, there's his real form again. That's scary. So, yeah, that's the thing. He's not always beautiful. Exactly. Because it's a mask, Adeline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then a few years later, May 1st, 1984, we're still in New Orleans. Addie is technically 293 now, and she asks to be set free because she's like, if you truly love me, you'll let me go. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, first of all, I can't because of the deal, and second of all, I don't want to because you are mine, which she's not a thing to be possessed, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, BS. He's like, I can't break the deal. She asked, uh, he asked, he's like, well, you know, I could easily let you go if you just surrender. And this kind of like shatters her because she's like, wait, what? Because she all of a sudden thinks that all of this was a game. And he kind of, he says yes, but then later on says that he lied. It's interesting because, you know, God forbid you have a bruised ego, my friend. <laughs> 
because she's hurt and thinking that all this love, quote unquote, was just a way to give like give it up or like give her soul up. It's a and ruse. they fight. And she even states, she's like, she doesn't know how the fire started, but somehow during their fight, their home burns down. And then we have the biggest fucking time jump of all. And we are brought to September 4th, 2013, New York City. Addie is technically 322 and we are brought to Henry. Mm. So, yes. And this is the first time, like, well, technically in the timeline, not in the story. But Mm -hmm. this is the first time we see Henry's POV. But yes. Henry. Would you like to cast Henry? Yes. Okay. And also Luke. (laughs) Okay, yes. So let me cast first because I just have Henry and then we can talk about it. So I chose Skylar Astin. Oh. Yes. From Pitch Perfect. Perfect. And he's in that other one, the like musical show Mm -hmm. that like everyone's singing around to the girl and she doesn't know how or why or whatnot. But he's in that too. But I don't know. Kind of like he was on like my list of contenders, and then I read somewhere that he had kind of like grew up in New York, like that's where he was born and raised. And I was like, oh, how fitting! And mm-hmm. then after I, after I figured that out, it was kind of like, well, it's no one else for me. <laughs> like it's just it's him. Give so. him some glasses, have his hair be kind of shaggy. Right. I was like, I think he'd be good. I think he'd be a good one. Oh, I approve. Yes. Fits the vibe. Yes, I approve. Okay, okay. now Ready? go for your presentation. <laughs> my Henry is Dylan O'Brien. Oh, the internet wanted him, so I saw him everywhere. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't look up, like, fan casting at all. But yeah, uh, when he has, like, longer hair, it's right. shaggy, Super give him shaggy. some glasses. He could totally run a bookstore. Yeah. And thus... <laughs> and thus... <laughs> we go to... That's not proper English. <laughs> uh, do you remember... Okay, so he's from a show called Teen Wolf, mm-hmm. as is your Luke. Yeah. And... He had a moment in this show when he played his like doppelganger, Void Styles. Oh, so I think so it would you be want cool O'Brien to, to play, play both. both. Yeah, because I a lot of like the fan arts they make him seem to be the same like person pretty much mm. because Henry is like so much how she imagined her like ideal guy, but then he's more human, like realistic. But then Luke is like oh. the perfect version of that. So that's why I've seen in like fan arts and such. So I think it would be cool if Dylan was like shaggy, no, not shaggy, but like, you know, kind of in his 20s, you know, yeah, figuring himself out like that kind of the the bookshop guy. Come on. And then have him like the in a glasses suit. and yeah. Yeah. Sweater vests cool. and stuff. And then the like his hair is like slicked back and I mean, not slicked back, but like more cut like how we normally see him. Yeah. And yeah, Aww. it's just and he can totally play different versions of himself already that we know of. It's very true. Yes, I Aww. would approve. And then, doesn't he, he has brown eyes. Henry has brown eyes, right? I thought they were also green. Uh, oh, okay. But contacts yeah. for the very right. green. Yeah. I mean, I his gonna... eyes change color when he's a dark god, but. Right. I was yeah. going to say Luke's eyes change color, which is funny because, um, tidbit, one of the, because our, our episode titles are always something and something. Mm-hmm. The and something is definitely going to be like, and Fifty Shades of Green Eyes, because I swear to you, V Schwab <laughs> is like, green eyes flare with intrigue, or green eyes flare with pleasure, There's or green yellow. eyes. Yeah, like, it's, it's like green. green like spring, and then green like a, a tree. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Green Eyes. So <laughs> that'll be in the episode title for sure. I was going to cast Dylan O'Brien at some point. I just want to see more right. of this guy. Yeah, Honestly. he was literally one of the choices. Because um, I go on, it's called mycast.io. It's like a website where people literally just like, I want this person mm-hmm. and you get to vote. And I go just to like see like what people are thinking. And he was one of the choices that everyone was like super into. Oh. 
So yeah, it's kind of funny because look at you <laughs> speaking the minds, oh. <laughs> speaking the internet language. I didn't think people had like cast it for Addy LaRue yet. Yeah, no, they did. They really did. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. My Addy was nowhere to be found on that list, but I was like, it's going to be her. And I, I love, don't care. I love your Addy. I love her too. I love your Luke. I'm just like yes. <laughs> I love my Luke so I much. I just think it's funny we both casted someone from Teen Wolf, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just think he can be very suave and very like, <laughs> but also like I think the bickering would be chef's kiss. All right, so we have our Henrys. I'm so excited. Aw, Dylan O'Brien. He'd be so perfect. I know. Especially as Henry. If he didn't play Luke, I'd be fine. If we had your guy, Luke, because everyone on Teen Wolf looks the fucking same anyways, because it's all the white, every version of white boy. Right. With a chiseled gin and beautiful eyes. Yes. Oh. Right? Yes. (laughs) But yeah. And he plays such a good sad boy. Yes, he does. (laughs) He has the most perfect puppy eyes. He really does. Oh, I miss him. All right, so this is kind of the part where they talk about Henry's backstory. Like, Henry was, it's when it's like, a boy was born with a broken heart. And, like, a boy, mm-hmm. pretty much they go into him, like, how he grows up being super sensitive and anxiety-ridden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor boy. He's got issues. Yeah. This is the part where, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Euphoria, but Henry is Rue, and there's no telling me any different. Mm-hmm. They're so similar in characters. I've not seen that show. Oh, her origin story is, like, literally the same. Like, she's born, like, the day or the week like three days after something like that of 9-11 so it's like when the world was pretty like oh. heavy and she grows up like she has ocd and she has all these problems and like they think she has by bi- like bipolar disorder but they no one knows how to like treat it back then mm-hmm. like it wasn't really like bipolar yeah oh you said bipolar. i was like what is Sorry. that i'm like i've never heard of this one <laughs> bipolar they uh-huh. think she has bipolar disorder and but no one like back in that day like no one really talked about mental illness like we still don't really talk about it and mm-hmm. don't really know how to treat it like don't treat it as something that's real so it's kind of like they just shove a whole bunch of pills at her and she's just very like super sensitive mm-hmm. to everything and it's it's henry heartbreaking yes it's heartbreaking and they, they just henry and rue remind me of each other so much it's mm-hmm. crazy but yeah basically we learned about tabitha this bitch <laughs> we um, did not cast her <laughs> no no we did not cast her um, but yeah, he sees her at Robbie's show. They meet at the after party. The two together um, were together for two years and they never fight, which he thinks back on later. And he's like, probably wasn't a good thing. But two years of bettering himself for her, of changing him for her, which, yeah, I have issues with Henry. <laughs> and this is pretty much like where they root from is because Aww. he tried so hard to just make her happy. And like he literally says, like, oh, I stopped drinking as much for her. I dressed mm-hmm. better for her. Oh, he buys expensive gifts that he can't afford just to like see a smile on her face. Yeah. Like he's only living his life for her. Mm-hmm. I have issues. But anyways. <laughs> so two years of doing all this and then he proposes and she says, oh, like, you're great. You really are. But you're not... And she never finishes it, and he just kind of, like, figures out that, like, she's he's just not the one for her. So he's at the bar drinking away his sorrows with his friends, and his friends are like, you know what? Fuck her. Like, you deserve better anyways. But he kind of puts together that they were kind of expecting her to say no anyways, oh, yeah. and that they never really liked her. And he kind of gets pissed off about this, but he leaves the bar um, telling him that he needs space. This is technically when page 228 of his story, the story that he tells Addie comes into play. But since I'm doing like the chronological order, what actually happens is that he's raining. He's raining. <laughs> it's raining. Well, on the inside. On the raining. inside. He is raining. But um, basically, I think because it's kind of hard, which is another reason why he reminds me of Rue so much, because at the end of one of the episodes of Euphoria, because you know how HBO does like behind the episode mm-hmm. and like they talk to the like creator of the show. 
there's a moment because since the whole show is through Rue's eyes later on in the story when they go to someone else's perspective you find out that like that's not exactly how it happened pretty much like this situation mm-hmm. and he says that that's when you find out that Rue is like not a reliable source like not a reliable narrator mm-hmm. so I'm like oh Henry <laughs> because it's kind of Kind of like where does the pieces fit? Because I do think he goes to the liquor store. I do think the bottle breaks. I do think he cuts his hand because mm-hmm. we do see the mm-hmm. blood handkerchief in his drawer. But then it's like where does that story and like what really like the real deal of it like him walking home and him just like not because it's really beautiful like also how she writes it because he's like oh he doesn't make the decision mm-hmm. or he makes a decision to go home. He makes a decision to go up to the roof and then all of a sudden he decides that he's tired of making decisions because mm-hmm. it's because you know V.E. Schwab gotta rip your heart out so he walks off to the edge and his toes are just barely hanging off and that's when the darkness appears this man that the rain's not touching Void Styles <laughs> Void Styles Daniel Sherman you know take your pick but but yeah basically he makes an offer to have everyone love him and everything be jolly and good for one whole year and it's kind of sad because you know it breaks my heart that he's like, oh, I would have sold it for less. Like yeah. a year it was for me was a lot. And it's like, yeah. Henry. But yeah, this is where he makes the deal to be loved by all. Uh, we're in Henry's perspective for kind of a couple of days. Uh, I didn't realize it because you have to understand Audible, like I don't see it. And I didn't realize that all of part four of the book is pretty much all of Henry's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize that until I was yeah. doing like the chapter thing. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I love I love perspective jumps. Oh, yeah. Me too. Which apparently like, like talk is not now. a fan of. Like people don't like that. They don't like multiple POVs. And I'm like, but you learn so much more of the story. I love being inside other people's heads. Right. Because then the rest of the story, you understand it so Exactly. Like you understand where Henry is coming from. Yeah. So you understand like why he made certain decisions. So yeah, September 5th, 2013. Uh, we're still in Henry's POV. This is the day after he's made the deal. And we're still in New York City, and he finds the watch with the words, live well on the back. And he's kind of like, oh, interesting watch. (laughs) So then he goes into work at the last word, the bookshop. And then all of a sudden, he hears a knock at the door, and Mariel shows up, his sister. (laughs) She walks in and says he looks good, but he knows he doesn't because he just had, like, one of the worst nights of his life. And she talks about, oh, did you redecorate? Because the house is so cozy. And basically, just sits there and praises him for every little thing, and she's like... He's like, what the hell's going on? Like, this is not Mariel. This is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like where we see like his, um, like the real outlines of his curse mm-hmm. uh, play out. He's so like, he, usually you criticize me. What yeah. Are you doing? Usually she's like, you look terrible. Yeah. Like, get your life together. Like, what are you doing? Is and she, she just a younger sibling. I think so. Oh, okay. I think it, I think um, Henry's in the middle. Mm-hmm. So older older brother, which we did not cast because bleh. And then Henry <laughs> and then younger sister, Muriel. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But you actually mentioned, um, I wasn't going to cast her. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, I asked you like who you wanted to add. And you're like, Muriel. So, Muriel, yeah. yeah. Who did you cast? I casted Maya Hawk from Stranger Things. Oh, she's yeah. pretty. She's like perfect. The I picture like I chose very much. And she definitely looks like she could be Dylan O'Brien's like sister. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. I chose Emma Roberts. Oh. Right? Yeah. Right? I just, the personality of Muriel, I'm like, she won't have to do much acting because I feel like it's a lot of parts that she's done before. Mm-hmm. And then like, I feel like it's just, it's a very natural role for her to play yeah. and to walk in a room and just be like, mm, let's go and like very uppity and meh mm-hmm. so yes i could totally imagine her as just the typical young adult in new york mm-hmm. like, has no trouble in the world 
like walks around, mm-hmm. especially like how Henry says that she like presents herself because she I forget exactly like, what she does in the art world, but it's kind of I love it. Yeah, <laughs> she's kind of funny. But yes, Emma Roberts. All right, so Mariel shows up and has like this weird moment with Henry and he goes to the coffee shop before he heads into work and then the barista that he has known has been there all of a slutton like (laughs) realizes who he is and writes her name like yeah it's Vanessa writes her number on the cup and is just like call me but yes fringe and then it gets even weirder because he goes back to work and this old lady comes in and she's like I'm looking for this book, like this particular book. And he's like, oh, is it this one? And she's like, oh, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what I was looking for. And then it hits him about what book she was actually looking for. And he's like, oh, no, sorry, you actually meant this. And she's just in love with him so much that she ends up buying both. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's just like, what the hell is going on? What what the fuck? (laughs) And then the beautiful soul that is Robbie walks in and is just like, oh, my God, how are you? And is just like... B told me to leave you alone and like after you left us he's like but I wanted to call because I think it's Robbie that ends up calling him and he's just like I wanted to be there for you but B said to give you space so I did <laughs> and yes Robbie comes into play Dear so God. who'd you cast so sticking so in the stranger things world I oh casted Daiquiri Montgomery Ooh, mm. I almost thought of him too oh really yes but I didn't go he was out. just very much so how I pictured Robbie he was oh. kind of the first person I casted actually oh really just, when I was reading it I'm like Robbie this is him interesting so I don't know why but I didn't realize Robbie was white oh for some reason in my head I always thought of like some reason I saw him as like a like shaved like buzz mm-hmm. cut like mixed person mm-hmm. so I was like interesting that my head went there because I went to that like casting website and it was like a whole bunch of white guys and I was like wait a minute is Robbie supposed to be white like why did I not catch on to that so I thought it was really weird but since we have B and she kind of like represents like she's a black lady she represents that side I was like how cool would it be if Robbie actually ended up being Asian and oh. I don't mean like just like tick the box like mm-hmm. you have an Asian in your room. I was like I thought it'd be really cool. I went down this deep rabbit hole. I'm sorry, <laughs> but okay. I was like I thought it'd be really cool like if they because you know how like Robbie always talks about like the plays that they're doing are like this mixed with this. And I was like how cool would it be if they kind of like this mixed with like some ancient Chinese proverb or like mm-hmm. this mixed with like Chinese folklore like instead of or like Asian folklore it doesn't have to be Chinese. I don't think the actor I chose I think is actually half Korean, so is oh. <laughs> a Korean American. But I was like, how cool would it be if they, like, kind of try to bring in ties to where he's not just, like, a checkbox? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we have an Asian representative. Like, if they actually, like, brought in, yeah. pulled in, like, culture elements. New York is a in. melting pot anyway. Exactly. The big city is New York. LA. Right. And since Henry's the white boy, and then we got, like... Token white boy Henry. <laughs> exactly. Token white boy Henry. And then B is, like, a strong black woman. So I was just like, we could have, like, a fantastic, outgoing Asian guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, and then it's kind of funny, because the actor I went with... His name is Alex Landy, and he's in Grey's Anatomy right now, and he's actually oh. playing a gay doctor. Oh. Yeah, so he's, I've like, one of the younger... Before. Yeah, he's a pretty new to the... Well, pretty new to me to the show, because mm-hmm. I'm not fully caught up yet, but he's been in probably, like, two or three seasons now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. He's very pretty. He's very pretty, mm-hmm. and literally, like, how how Robbie yes. goes about, like, treating Robbie, or treating Addie, like, very, like, stuck up and very, like, hmm. Like, that's basically his character in Grey's Anatomy. So I'm just like... Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Exactly. Like, he's very, like... Because he's kind of... He's below, like, one of the best orthopedic surgeons ever. So he thinks he's, like, hot shit. Mm. So I was like, huh. You mean, like, Robbie? (laughs) Perfect. So, yes. That's my Robbie. Oh. Cool. Okay. 
So Robbie comes in. He's like, I wanted to call you. I wanted to be there for you. But B said, give you space. And like, how are you? How are you doing? Fuck her. Like, you can do better. Like, Tabitha's shit to the world. And then B comes in. Oh, B. Yes. B comes in a few minutes later and she's complaining about her professor because once again, her thesis has been rejected. So yes, obviously we casted B. So I think it's funny because in red, white and royal blue, we have a Henry and a B. Right. And in this one, we have a Henry and a yeah. B. Different like, authors. Interesting. But... Different authors and completely different Henrys and Bs. But yes. Okay. So I casted Laura Harrier. She's in The Amazing Spider-Man. Or not the Amazing oh. Spider-Man, but the newer one with Tom Holland. Yeah. She plays a teenager. She is 34 years old. Wow. She's in her 30s. She's beautiful. Oh, cool. That's I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. I chose Kat Graham. <gasps> oh, my God. I almost yes. casted oh, her. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I chose Kat Graham from Vampire Diaries. Bonnie? Town, right? Yeah. Yeah. She plays okay. Bonnie in Vampire Diaries. I have not seen Vampire Diaries. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know wow. that. <laughs> she plays a witch in Vampire Diaries, and I absolutely loved her in that show, and just like the thought of her being B <sighs> pleases me greatly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's not a library. <laughs> it's not a library, B, <laughs> but then writes like... <laughs> the last library of the last word and like hands it to her on a bookmark and she's like <gasps> and she gets like so excited it's so cute Aww. but yeah so she comes in complaining about her professor about how her thesis has once again been rejected and Robbie's like I've got the cure <laughs> and goes back and finds a hidden bottle of whiskey and they all drink together to new beginnings and later at this point Henry's just like well I want to go home so he goes to a bar where Everyone's like offering him drinks like left and right. Like the bartender's like on the house and another guy's like buying you a drink. Mm -hmm. And then he gets bumped into by this couple and they're like, oh, you're just the man we were looking for and goes home with them and has a threesome. (laughs) I mean, you do you, Henry. Fantastic. Two days later, September 7th, 2013, still in Henry's perspective, he feels like it's so great being wanted. Like he goes back to the coffee shop and Vanessa's like, you didn't call. And he's like, well, I didn't know if I should. And she's like, I left you my phone number. Like, was that not a big enough hint? (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, whoops. So yeah. And he also runs into his old, his old dean who basically kicked him out of school and now wants to give him a job. And he's just like, you'd be perfect. He's like, I never got my PhD. <laughs> it's fine. You'd be perfect. And Henry's be like, be a teacher. Teach yes, what you were. <laughs> right. Teach what you were kicked uh, out of school for. It's tenure. <laughs> right. It's so freaking funny. And he's like, all right. Um, tries to say no as much as he can. But the dean's basically like, here's you have an interview. Like, come here. He's like, okay, fine. So later he goes back to the last word where he has a moment with B and sees um that she's the only one that didn't change. Like, there is a glimmer in her eye, but she's not like like throwing herself at him Mm -hmm. or like throwing herself to like oh henry you're so amazing like he's she's kind of the only one that kind of um like treats him the same even though there is a slight glimmer to her eyes which i thought it was really cute it's really only there when she like really looks at him yeah but but like basically when they're together because it's kind of funny because this is the moment where he's like so you don't like want me and she starts laughing and she's like no honey sorry like you're cute and all but i'm still lesbian (laughs) and it's so cute right i'm like what a friendship it's gorgeous yes this is also because b is like using the store as a library looking for another thesis and she finds the three portraits of addy and she's like look at this girl's like all across these pages like look the seven freckles like it's gotta be her and he's like yeah, if you think your professor like didn't like the past thesis, imagine what he'd think if he brought him this. And I she's just, like, God damn it. I think of that meme of um like where on the Do you know what I'm talking about? With like the map where he looks crazy. He's like, I've connected them. Oh, like you walk into a yeah. room and she just has like newspaper clippings all over her wall with like red that's yarn B. like attaching to all of it. Yes. Yeah. That is that's B with all these portraits of Addie through all these different ages. <laughs> it's so cute. So yes. 
Uh, September 13th, 2003, Henry goes home and has the weirdest dinner of his life. He drives up there because he likes driving and usually they're like, they make comments about him being late and they compare him to his older brother and just wish, yeah, and just wish like he would have his life together. And his family is just completely in love with him and he can do no wrong and all of a sudden he's enough and they're proud of him. Suddenly he's a golden child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which honestly broke me into pieces because I was like oh like i'm like how good it must feel to be loved by your family but how shitty you must feel knowing that this isn't how they treat you normally mm-hmm. and knowing how this they could be like this if they weren't just such assholes yeah it's so sad so september 19th 2013 he goes on a date with vanessa all goes well a little too well oh god and they automatically start dating and within a week she says i love you mm-hmm. and he's like oh i mean are you sure and she's like, uh, when you know, you know, Henry. We've, we've barely been dating. Yeah, he even tells her, like, we've only been together for one week. And she's like, well, when you know, you know. Yeah, she's already bringing stuff. Yeah, she's, house. like, already, like, slowly brings her toothbrush, slowly, like, brings her jacket, slowly brings this. And he's like, uh-huh, it's been seven days. <laughs> he goes to take a shower, and when he gets out, he can smell smoke. And Vanessa is burning all the Tabitha stuff in the sink. And I literally put, she's crazy. Yeah, and he, like, breaks up with her, which breaks him because he sees the look in her eyes that he saw when tabitha was like yeah you're great but just not too great and he's like it kind of breaks him which makes me so sad so october 23rd 2013 the trio has a movie night at his house they talk about halloween costume robbie kisses him (laughs) and he knows it's because of his deal and robbie says i love you and he's like yeah but you're the one that broke up with me like why do you want to be with me all of a sudden yeah it's Mm -hmm. just more of his poor poor little heart is being shattered because he knows it's not real yeah. even though it feels like so good to him he's like but it's not real it's not real it's not real and they burn the popcorn which b said they were gonna do anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> um november 14th that's really short a lot of his chapters are pretty short so but he runs into tabitha and she's like we should get back together and he's like no, no 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 like this is fake this is all fake and he's like at this point he's just getting creeped out by everything it took me forever to get over you and now yeah you're back here. Uh. exactly he's like no thank you so december 9th is when the interview happens and he goes the interview that he's like i'm really not qualified for mm-hmm. this and he almost thinks about taking it but then is like no because he realizes that the students would, like, find no fault in him, even though he doesn't have a PhD. The yeah. students would just be like, oh, my God. And he's like, and they wouldn't really learn anything because they'd just be trying so hard to please me. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks about, like, all the lives he would potentially ruin for being, like, taking this job. So he's like, no, thank you. And at this point, he's just trying to test his limit because he goes back to the bookstore and he's, like, so sick with himself in this deal that he drinks in front of everyone. And he's like, oh, a cop, like, a cop comes into the bookstore and he's like, oh, this should be good. Takes a sip right in front of him. And the cop's like, cheers. And, like, lifts a fake cup to his glass, and Henry's like, I fucking hate this. That's, that would be a really funny part. It would be, like, a really thing to, like, see come to life, and him just being like, oh, oh, look, I have, like, this teacup full of whiskey, and the cop's like, cheers, like, have a good day, sir. <laughs> so December 31st, 2013, it's New Year's, and he is almost jumped by a guy who he can't even, like, he's like, Mark or Matthew or something, because, like, the music's too loud, and he's, like, ready to jump his bones, and Henry's like, oh, yeah. Like, he's blinded by the fog, and he's like, do you really want this? He's like, well, of course I want this. Like, you're perfect. Just look at you. And Henry's like, no, like, really think about this. Like, is this really what you want? And the guy's like, yeah, of course. So they're he's being jumped, and Robbie sees it and gets pissed, and Henry's like, fuck everything right now. Robbie so, gets pissed a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
Henry runs to the fire escape, B joins him, and they talk, and B just praises him, and he hates it because most of it isn't true. She's like, you're always there for me, and he knows he has missed phone calls or for, has forgotten plans that they've made, and she's like, you're a great listener, and he's like, no, actually, I'm really not, <laughs> Like, and it's just, you know, our poor boy slowly falls apart. So, like he above everyone knows everything that's wrong with him, and right. when people start saying the opposite, he's like, "Oh, yeah." That part it just slowly breaks because B's like, "Well, you know, like you're nice and you're sweet and you're a really good friend," and he's like, "Yeah, okay." And then she just starts going into it about like all these magical great things about him, and he's like, "Nope, that's wrong. Not entirely true." It's like, oh shit, she is affected yeah. by this a bit. Yeah. So I think it's just like when she sits down and like really thinks about it, and I think that's when like mm-hmm. the fog kind of rolls in. But for the most part, she's pretty neutral about it. But yeah. So then, finally, <laughs> March 10th, 2014, and we are finally brought to the beginning of this damn book. So we oh, we underestimated how long this yes. is going to take. We're really <laughs> tired. Lizzie's been talking for a while. So we're going to split this into two episodes. Yes. I hope you guys are okay with that. Right. And yeah, I don't know where this is actually going to mm-hmm. end, but um, I didn't realize that talking about this chronologically was going <laughs> to be such a freaking task oh, how many pages was this uh 15 but i mean it's bullet pointed yeah. so it's like one chapter takes up like mm-hmm. half the page because i was just like bullet pointing all the shit but yeah so sorry to cut into your story but i'm pretty sure the second episode will be up not too long after a week yeah. or so yeah mm, yeah. yeah so <laughs> we're not going to do closers for this no it's going to be an ellipses just like right. Addie's relationships Ooh, bitch. so <laughs> All right. Keep reading and keep watching. Bye, guys. Bye.